Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Hey, 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 good morning, everybody. Welcome to South Valley. It is a brand new day to come into the presence of the Lord to give him praise. Let's come to our feet, put our hands together, raise our voices. We want to welcome you at home. If you're tuning in with us, we just want to encourage you to worship the Lord where you are. Come to your feet and give praise to God. Come on. Let's lift it up, church. Who thinks a coward of sin and darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger, the King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder, who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder, the King of glory, Come on. the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is a family love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You lay down your life That I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I sing for All that you've done for me doing this morning? It is so wonderful to see you all. You guys look beautiful today. Such a good time to be able to hang out. We got some great things going on today, and God is good all the time. Amen, church? 
God is working all the time. So we want to give him praise. We want to change that perspective, our heart perspective. When we give praise to God, no matter what we're dealing with, God can work through all those things and our, our perspective changes. So let's give it up for the Lord. just encourage you as we go into this time. This is really a time where we just prepare our hearts for what God has to say. And sometimes when we come, when we wake up in the morning, we have something that's just been burdening us throughout the week, maybe burdening us throughout the evening. Maybe we've just been carrying that. And this song speaks to that, that Jesus is with us each and every day, that he's right there to help us in life. 
So these words, let them wash over your heart this morning. Whatever you're carrying, I just pray that God would work in your heart and bring you joy this morning. You'd be able to lift that up to him. Just give it to him this morning as we sing these words.
You look at those words. Coming into the presence of the Lord. I want to lift those up one more time and just release whatever you're dealing with. There's a pressure of faith. Just, I'm coming before you, Lord. Coming to your altar. Embracing your open arms and seeking you, Lord. Whatever is holding you back. Every voice. Lift those words up. Here we go. Hope come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Hope come to Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you. We profess that we just come before you humbly seeking you, Lord. We thank you for this day. Thank you for being a God who just hears us, Lord, who walks with us in life. Thank you for being a God who provides for our every need, Lord. The greatest provision of all is your son, Jesus Christ, Lord. And as we have just sung, pray that we can come to your altar this morning. And just be in your presence and have you speak to our hearts, Lord. Pray that you would speak to each heart in this room, every heart that's watching online. Pray that there's even one that doesn't understand how precious they are to you, Lord. I pray that they would hear your voice this morning and they would take that step of faith to want to know the love you have for them through your son, Jesus Christ. And again, Lord, help us to seek you, hear your voice this morning, and we give you praise in advance for the great work you're going to do. We invite you here. Let your Holy Spirit dwell among us, Lord. And let's just have a time of intimacy with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. So I'm going to let you know, it's okay. I know we're kind of in that place right now where it's like, at least for me, that kind of felt good, yeah? Yeah. But it's okay to feel good and be loud. Yeah? Yeah, like that. Woo! Yeah, I like that. That was good. You can get excited because you know what? God is worth getting excited about. Yeah? Yeah. It's good. God's up to something. God's up to something, and we get to be a part of it, so it's exciting. I just want to let you know a couple things, uh, just kind of a reminder. Uh, we have our donation stations at each of the doors, so if, if you want to give, drop your tithe in there. You could do that as you exit today. You can also give online, and again, we just want to thank you for your generosity with that. We know that God is faithful. He provides for every need. We know that what God gives to us is really not ours. It's God's. And so when we give it back to God, he can multiply it and use it not only in our community but even across the world to do his kingdom work. And that's something exciting to be able to be part of God's kingdom work. Amen? And so we want to be uh, faithful in that. We want to challenge each other in that. Uh, and we also just want you to know that at the end of the services, those are going to also serve as your ballot dropping boxes. So if you have your ballot, you're going to drop it in there as well. So just kind of pointing that out. But we're excited, man. We're excited about some things going on today, the first of which you're going to get a taste of. Take a look at the screens. Hey, South Valley, my name is Ricky Hemi. This is my family. This is my beautiful daughter, Blake. She's six years old. My son, John, he just turned five, and my beautiful wife, Carly. Hi. Hi. I'm the only cook, so. The only cook? <laughs> if it's a Traeger, I'm the better cook. Okay. Everything else, she's the okay. better cook. <laughs> It depends on the day. It does depend on the day. And the child. Uh, I think we're both pretty disciplinarians yeah. though. Yeah. We share that. We share the role. <laughs> we share the job. <laughs> yeah. Our family eats a lot of In-N-Out. Um, a lot, a, a ton of In-N-Out. She Me, does. I totally do. I'm too tired. I'm momming all day long. I'm too tired. You do. I do. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say. <laughs> I do. I'm it's... pretty stubborn. <laughs> it gets the ball rolling. So, yes, yeah. I love you for that. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> 
We would go to Disneyland all the time and I guess just seeing the magic in their eyes is like my favorite memorable. I have so many pictures. I look back and it's uh, magic. I, yeah, I love the childhood magic. Captain America. Because um, his hair looks like Captain America and he's as strong as Captain America and he's as close. Captain America. I'm a ninja. Because yes, he looks like a ninja. To the park. Winning us go to Target. I would make him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with bananas inside. A hundred years in the past. I think I would like the past better because I'm a history person. I prefer the heat. Yeah, definitely prefer the heat. Oh man, I actually haven't done either one, so I want to do both at some point. Um, we'll start with skydiving. Superman. <laughs> yeah, Batman's cooler, but Superman is way stronger, and all my kids care about is me being strong, so I'll say <laughs> Superman. I think the languages, I'm, I like animals, love animals, but I'm really interested in people, so that would be kind of fun. Over. over. Absolutely over. Oh my gosh. Yes. Over. Seeing him lead by example, our family, and um, he's just a strong, godly man. I'm, I actually I was thinking about that earlier today. I'm super thankful for him and all he's done and all he's doing, and he's a great guy. <laughs> I love all the things about him. Being married to a pastor. Um... That's encouraging. Thank yes. you. Yes. <laughs> Good morning, Ricky. Good morning, South Valley. Okay, we're uh, all here for a very important day, and uh, who, who knew it was going to take us this long to get here? It was a year ago last October that we started this process. And so now we've got a few questions for Ricky that uh, he can answer and give you a little bit of flavor of, uh, you know, who he is, and, and uh, we'll start for that. All right. Okay. Your family was involved in the hay and feed business in Lancaster. Yep. Mm -hmm. So this is the company your family started. Tell us a story about this company and how that kind of transitioned you into full-time ministry. Okay. So kind of interesting, actually, because my dad came today. My dad runs Hemi Hain Feed, so really excited to have him here today. Uh, so my grandfather actually started Hemi back in the 60s, 64. And my dad started, it was mainly uh, hauling hay, trucks, things like that. My dad started uh, working for him in the 80s, and uh, he loved what he did, but he also raced quads on the side, professionally. He raced quads professionally, and he loved that, and, and as a little kid, we'd go to the races and stuff like that, but he ended up actually breaking his back racing quads, and uh, when that happened, he was actually paralyzed for a short season and, and was in a wheelchair, and so during that season, he had to really think through what he was going to do with his life and what was next for him, and he decided to put his energy into uh, the into feed stores. And by the grace of God, he's, he got feeling back in his legs, sensation back in his legs. He's walking today, so that's pretty amazing. Um, but uh, he started starting these feed stores. He'd come home, and from what I recall, the answering machine would be full with orders, and he's like, you know what, maybe we could turn this into something. And so now we have three stores, uh, Tehachapi, Lancaster, Leona Valley, and they service primarily, they, they service other uh, feed stores, stables, and even dairies. So there's some connections to even Lemoore. So yeah, that's, that's my family story. But me, I thought I would be doing the same thing, the family business. And I actually was on a similar trajectory. I, I loved working at the feed store, and I raced motocross. And I loved racing motocross. And, and kind of similar to my dad's story, I ended up hurting my back. And when I hurt my back, it was kind of a wake-up call for me because during that season of my life, I was a pretty new Christian, 
And I was sharing Jesus with all of my friends during that season. I loved God. I was so on fire for God. And I just started sharing Jesus everywhere I could. And I started seeing friends and and loved ones come to Christ and get baptized. And so I was kind of wrestling, like, what does this mean, God? People are coming to Christ. What do I do with this? Do I keep going in the path I'm going down? Or do you want to do something else with my life? And so at that time in my life, I decided when I got hurt that the time I would usually spend racing my motorcycle, practicing riding, I dedicated it to the church. And I started serving in the church, and one thing led to another. Eventually, they asked me to preach uh, for the youth group. I was very scared because I was afraid of talking in front of people. But when I went up and talked about Jesus, all of a sudden, I had something important to share. And God gave me the words, and one thing led to another, and now I'm a pastor today. I've been one for 13 years, executive pastor at a church called Central Christian, and that's where I serve now today. So that's my story. Great. Thank you. Okay. We have the Naval Air Station right next to us here. Right. A lot of Navy folks attend here. How do you see including this community within our church? One of the things that excites me about South Valley is your close proximity to the Naval Air Station. And uh, as I was walking around the 9 o'clock service, I didn't get to hear as much today, but at the 9 o'clock service, you guys have a ton of military families, either current military families or past military families. Can we give it up for them, by the way, and just, just thank them? And I, I have a ton of respect for military families, and, and I've had to learn how to minister to military families because where I'm at, we're actually very close to Edwards Air Force Base. And Edwards is this awesome base close by. We get families coming to our church, and we were actually trying to figure out how to minister to the base, but as a civilian, it's really hard to minister on the base because there are things that kind of hold you back. It's hard to even get on the base, and so we were trying to rethink, you know, how can we reach the base, and so I started meeting with some of my military friends in the church. One of them is a friend of mine named Lieutenant Colonel Dan Fredberg. He's, he's become a friend through this. And uh, we were just brainstorming, how can we reach folks? He wanted to start a small group on the base. And he started this small group. We helped train some people. I helped train him. And that small group took off, and, and it's all them. They, they just did an incredible job. That small group took off, started other groups, and they reached about 100 people on the base. And when they would meet, they would actually have to to rent out the rec center on base to house all the children because it's like a full-blown kids ministry. Um, But what I learned through that process, and a few things. One is, if you want to reach the the Naval Air Station, you got to value military families. You have to value them. And the other thing you have to do is realize that the best people to reach military families are military families. And so you have to empower military families to make an impact where they're at. And you have to also know that when you're working with military families, you have a short window to do all of those things because they may be here and gone in three years. And so making it easy to plug in, showing them that we value them, showing them that we want to help them make an impact in their world out on the base and making and providing ways for them to do that. And knowing that when we're investing in military families, it's a capital C church investment. It's not necessarily just an investment in South Valley and what happens here because those families are going to go off to other places in the world and hopefully their time here was time well spent that prepared them for their next assignment and next ministry assignment as well. So yeah, love military families. Well, we like to think that once they have a choice of duty stations, that's why they come back. And some of them are coming back. I'd met a bunch at nine o'clock that they left and then they decided to come back and it's awesome to hear those stories. Well, our last question, what in ministry are you most passionate about? I'm most passionate about evangelism. And the reason I'm passionate about evangelism is because that's why I became a pastor. I became a pastor because I started seeing friends come to Christ. I was so excited about telling people about Christ. And so that's kind of what stirred me on into ministry. And and when I talk about evangelism, I'm talking about personal evangelism, getting to know people. Uh, evaluating their needs, hearing their life stories, getting close to them. And I'm, I'm actually wrapping up 
my doctoral research. I mentioned that I'm in seminary in the last service, and some people were concerned I didn't finish seminary, but I did. I, fi- I got my master's degree, by the way, and then I also, I'm back in seminary working on my doctorate right now, and I'm going to be graduating hopefully in December, and I'm working on my doctoral research, and uh, I'm studying churches that are good at evangelism. And it's not because the pastors are good at evangelism, it's because the people are good at evangelism. And the evangelism that they do isn't awkward or strange or hard. The evangelism that they do is just seeing their world, their sphere of influence, the people that God strategically placed in their lives, seeing those people as their God-ordained mission fields and getting to know their stories, loving them, serving them, looking for opportunities to share Jesus. And it's that simple. And so those are, that's what I'm most passionate about as a pastor. We all like seeing people come to Christ. Amen? That's why we do this thing. So, yeah, that's what I'm passionate about. Well, that concludes the questions. And Thank you, Jeff. Um, Thank on you. On behalf of myself, Jeff Gilcrease, and the Pastoral Search Committee, I want to present to you Pastor Ricky Hemme. Jeff, thank you so much. Thank you, Jeff. Well, good morning, South Valley. As you heard, my name is Ricky Hemme. It's so great to be with you here today. The nine o'clock was so fun just to see so many new faces, to talk to folks. I got to talk with some of you this morning. Thank you, Marcus. Um, And it's just a privilege to be here. And I just want to say, as I've been working with the search team and the executive board, and then now talking to some of you, I've been blown away by your kindness and by your hospitality. And I'm not just saying that. You guys have been so kind and so gracious. And from me and my family, it has meant the world to us. So I just want to say thank you. And also, can we thank the executive board and search team for their hard work? I know that they've been in a ton of work over the past year. And so I just appreciate everything that they've done. Now, as I prepared for today, I have to admit that I really struggled through what I was going to preach on. Do I preach an old sermon? Do I preach a new sermon? Do I preach my favorite sermon? There's so many directions that we can go this morning. But as I thought about it and as I prayed about it, I decided to write something completely new and to focus in on one thing this morning, and that is Christ's heart for the weary. It's my sermon title today. And the reason I chose this as my topic is because one thing that I've realized after just interacting with folks in my town, and so I'm just getting to know you here at South Valley, but in my town, is I interact with folks, not just within my church, but in the community. I was just at jujitsu the other day with my son. My, you saw Johnny. He likes to battle people, he calls it. He likes to, he's always about fighting people. But when I'm there talking to people, mingling with people, one thing that I've realized is that there are a lot of weary souls right now. There are a lot of people who are tired, who are burnt out, who are struggling just to get through another day. And 2020 did that to us, right? Some of the things of 2020 really made us weary. And maybe today you came into this place feeling weary, feeling tired or burdened by life. And so today I want to remind you of Jesus' loving posture toward those who are tired and burdened. I want to remind you today that when Jesus sees somebody tired, burdened, stressed, worried, anxious with life, he isn't closed off to them. Instead, his arms are open wide. And he invites them to come to him with their burdens. And he promises that when you come to him in that place of need, in that place of struggle, that he will be gentle with you. Because he is gentle and lowly in heart. And so today I'm going to encourage you to bring your stresses, to bring your fears, to bring your anxieties, to bring whatever is crushing you to Jesus and experience firsthand the joy of his rest. Will you pray with me and we'll jump into it. God, I thank you so much for this church and for the generosity of this church, the kindness of this church just, just, it's been so encouraging talking to folks in person. Thank you for this community. And God, we just pray right now as we gather in your name and we open up your word, we pray that you would speak to us. If somebody is burdened in here today, I pray that they would have the power and the grace to finally come to you with that burden. 
And for those of us who feel healthy and whole and strong today, I pray that we'd be reminded that you want to use us to help unburden others. To be accessible to others. To make an impact in their lives so they could know the same grace that we received. Thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11, starting in verse 28. We're going to look at some of Jesus' most famous words, some of his most encouraging words in all of Scripture. And this is what he says. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. It's our passage this morning. Now, before going any further, let me ask, do we have any Netflix bingers in the house this morning? Anybody? Okay, any of you ever watched Netflix for so long that the words popped up on the screen saying, are you still watching? Right? I hate when that happens. It's so embarrassed. Like, stop judging me, Netflix. Just leave me alone. Now, I usually, just to, just to be honest, I usually don't binge watch shows because when I find a show I like, I try to stretch it out for as long as possible because I, I don't want it to end. But recently, I came across this show that once I started, I really struggled to turn it off. It's called Alone. And Alone is this survival show. You'll see it on the screen there. Alone is this survival show where 10 contestants are dropped off in the wilderness in a barren wasteland or a dense forest by themselves, and they have to survive there alone for as long as possible. And the last person standing wins $500,000. Now, every time, and, and when I say desolate locations, harsh environments, I mean it. Okay, these are barren wastelands. These are dense forests. They're surrounded by predators like bears and wolves and snakes and cougars. It's freezing temperatures. Okay, these are places where you're going to go days upon days without food or water. And you're going to get so hungry, you're going to find yourself eating the most bizarre things in the world. Because every calorie counts. It's a matter of life and death. And, and when, the, when the show starts, every time, got these healthy contestants. They're going in the wilderness. They're excited. And I always tell myself, I could totally do this. I could totally survive in the wilderness for 30, 60, 70 days. I know I could do this. Then as the days go on and the show progresses, and I realize that people are eating slugs and mice and fish heads, and they're so excited about the mouse they just squished, I'm like, I I think I like In-N-Out way too much. 60 days without Chick-fil-A, I don't know if I could do it. And so reality starts to hit me. I always have this like high aspiration and goal that I could do this. And then I watch these contestants suffer. And I realize I can't. What I love about the show is that it's a testimony to the human spirit. When when humans need to, if they're motivated, they can do incredible things. We have this tenacity within us, this resilience within us. We can do big, powerful, creative things. And you see that unfolding on the show. And it's really, like, I just want to tell you, if you had to, you can eat slugs and fish heads. You could. doesn't sound like you would ever do that, but I don't think the other contestants thought they would either. And they did it because we're resilient as human beings. But there's also a flip side. As awesome and as resilient as humans are, everybody has a breaking point. In the show, eventually the starvation becomes unbearable. Or the predators become too aggressive. Or the mental game becomes too exhausting. And the weary contestants, as strong as they are, these survival warriors... One by one, they begin to tap out. And they pick up the satellite phone, and they call the search team, and they're rescued, and they're brought to safety, and their time of misery comes to an end. Now, the difference with their struggles and ours is that most of what they endure on the show is is voluntary. Their suffering is suffering that they signed up for. They could opt in and out of that suffering, of that burden, whenever they want. 
Life, though, as we know, is not that forgiving. In life, we could find ourselves living through entire seasons of physical, spiritual, mental turmoil. With struggles that can last days, months, years, even a lifetime. And I don't really know what's going on out here as much as I know down where I live. I don't know where you guys are at and how you guys are feeling. But as I've talked to people in my hometown, and as I think about people I've talked to just last week, random people, what I've noticed is that a lot of people today are feeling like these contestants on alone. They're tired, they're burdened, they're weary, they want help, but there's no phone to pick up, they think. There's no way out. They feel stuck. And maybe that's you today. Maybe today you feel like your will has been broken. You're ready to tap. But where is your satellite phone? Where is your rescue team? If today you or someone you know feels this way, feels like those contestants on alone, I want to remind you again of Jesus' words. This is what he says. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Is that encouraging to you this morning? Jesus is saying, come. If you're finding yourself in that place, Jesus is saying, come. Come. If you know somebody who feels like they're in that place of being alone, Jesus is inviting them, come. And maybe he's going to use you to bring them to him. Jesus is saying, come. And so I want to I look into Jesus' heart, heart for the weary. And we're going to look at three attributes of his heart, three glimpses into his heart. The first is that Jesus is gentle and lowly. The second is that Jesus shares our burdens. And the third is that Jesus brings us rest. So let's unpack this passage a little bit. Number one, Jesus is gentle and lowly. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Now I love this passage because in in, in all the gospels, In all the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 89 chapters of biblical text, there's only one place where Jesus gives us a glimpse into his own heart, and it is this passage. And when Jesus talks about his heart, what he reveals is that he is gentle and lowly. And this is a big deal, just just so you know. When the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about the very core of who we are. Okay, so if someone were to drill down deep into you to find the center of who you are, what would they discover about you? What words would rise to the surface to describe who you are deep down in your center? Dane Ortland says this about these words, gentle and lowly. He says, the heart, in biblical terms, is not part of who we are, but the center of who we are. And when Jesus tells us what animates him most deeply, what's most true of him, when he exposes the innermost recesses of his being, we find there that he is gentle and lowly. Let's look at these two words. The first is gentle. The word gentle is the Greek word praus. And this word appears three times in the New Testament. It appears in the first beatitude when it says that the meek will inherit the earth. It appears on Palm Sunday when Jesus is riding on, riding in on a, on a donkey. And it says that he's humble, prouse, and mounted on a donkey. And it's also in 1 Peter 3 when, when Peter encourages wives to focus on the imperishable beauty of a gentle prouse spirit. So three times we see this word used in the New Testament. And it can mean meek humble, or gentle. And what I want you to see here, what I hope you're seeing here, is that Jesus' first response to weary, tired, stressed out souls is gentleness. Jesus' first response to those who are broken and hurting or stressed and and confused about life is, is gentleness. His arms aren't closed off to you. He's not pointing a finger in anger. His arms are wide open and he says, come to me and I'll give you rest. I can see that you're tired. 
And if you're a parent, you, you, kind of get, you kind of understand this. With our kids, when our kids get worked up, when they get stressed out, when they feel like they're just kind of just, just all over the place, the last thing that they need from us in that moment is a harsh word. What they're looking for from mom or dad is gentleness and embrace. And when I think about my son, John, John is this little fighter, okay? And so we all have the fight or flight response within us. Johnny's response is fight. I don't know why. I can't, t- I can't tame it. I've been trying to tame it. And his response is always fight. And so when he is in that fight mindset, I, it's easy for me to get aggressive back with him. But what I've learned, he doesn't need aggression from dad, anger from dad, harsh word from dad. What he needs is dad to hug him, to be gentle with him, and to say, Johnny, put your guard down. I love you, bud. I love you. Relax. I'm here. It's okay. Jesus is gentle. The other word that we see here is the word lowly. The word lowly is the Greek term tapenos. Tapenos means humble or lowly. And the reason lowly is a good rendering of this Greek word is because the humility implied in this passage is not the virtue of being a humble person. It's actually a humility that comes through circumstances, coming from a humble estate, being thrust down by life's circumstances. It's the same word that Mary uses when she revels over the fact that God would use a young woman like her of humble estate, humble origins, to bring Jesus, the Messiah, into the world. That's the humility, the lowliness that Jesus is talking about. And so Dane Ortland, picking up on this word, he says that the point in saying that Jesus is lowly is that he's accessible for all his resplendent glory and dazzling holiness, his supreme uniqueness and otherness. No one in human history has ever been more approachable than Jesus Christ. No prerequisites, no hoops to jump through. Why is this a big deal? You see, this is a big deal because one of the major burdens that Jesus' audience carried around with them was the misconception that God's love needed to be earned. One of the burdens they carried on their shoulders was the misconception that God only cared about the top performers. The people who looked good on the outside. And and this was fueled by a religious system and religious teachers called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, they were these religious leaders who actually added rules to the Bible so that you can maintain this appearance of perfection, this appearance of being a top performer. But if you've ever tried to earn God's love or you've ever tried to live perfectly, you discovered really quickly that we just can't do it because to err is human. Welcome to the human race. We struggle. We struggle. And the crazy thing about the God who made us and the God who loves us is that even though he is perfect and even though he is holy and even though he hates sin, He welcomes us. He welcomes us. And instead of like the religious leaders who looked at sin and said, work harder, do better, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, God only helps those who help themselves, Jesus sees those people and he says, come and I will give you rest. Jesus' grace isn't contingent upon our performance. And this was radical to the people that he was interacting with in his time and space because these people were walking around with these heavy burdens thinking that salvation was for the morally upright, but we could never earn our salvation. Salvation comes to those who admit their failure and turn to Jesus, and it's he who makes them righteous. And it's his righteousness that saves them. Which leads to our second point, Jesus shares our burdens. Jesus, not only is he gentle and lowly, but Jesus shares our burdens. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I've always found these to be interesting words from Jesus. 
Because yokes and burdens are typically heavy things. So we have a picture of a yoke here on the screen. A yoke is something you'd put around animals, usually oxen. A wooden bar joins the animals together, and it, it, it allows them to carry heavy loads. And so you guys live in a farming community. I'm guessing you probably had some, some of this stuff back in the day, or maybe you have some today, at, like old school from your farm. But these oxen, they would carry these burdens, and they would put the yoke around their necks, be joined together, and they'd carry these burdens together. And Jesus is saying, I always found this interesting, Jesus isn't saying, uh, he, he's saying, my yoke, my burden is light. Jesus is inviting you to something that is in stark contrast to the burden of the Pharisees, the burden of religion. Because while religious people sought to add burdens on your shoulders and, 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 and push pressure on you to do better, Jesus actually came to lift those burdens. You see, the Pharisees' rules, they didn't actually help God's people. It only crushed God's people. And that yoke of legalism and trying to earn God's favor and God's love caused God's people to drown. And so Jesus later, speaking about the Pharisees, he says the, the scribes and the Pharisees preach, but they don't practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. Jesus' burden is very different from the burden of religion. Because instead of weighing you down, it actually lifts you up. Jesus' burden reminds me a lot of a life jacket. When I came in with this life jacket this morning, people were like, why are you bringing a bulletproof vest to church? Are you scared? Or no, this is not a bulletproof vest. I trust y'all, okay? I trust you guys. But Jesus' burden reminds me of a life jacket. You see, what religious people do when they are drowning Religious people actually add more weight onto those drowning people's backs. Do more, try harder, be better. And that yoke that they're connected to, that burden, becomes so overwhelming that they drown in their guilt and in their shame, and they just feel like they're stuck and that there is no hope for them. Well, Jesus came into a context like that, and he says, I see that you're drowning. And the good news for you is that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus' burden is really no burden at all. Because when you put Jesus' burden on, you don't sink, you actually are lifted up. What helium does to a balloon, so Jesus' burden does to those who receive him. And so let me ask you, South Valley, what burdens did you enter this place carrying? What burdens did you come into this place carrying this morning? Maybe today you came in here weighed down, or you know somebody who came in here weighed down, or you have somebody at home who is feeling weighed down, and when they think of Jesus, what they think of is somebody with his arms crossed saying, do better, get it together, you gotta, this is your mess, figure it out. But what Jesus is really saying is, take my yoke upon you. If you came in here today burdened by sin, you have that thing and you feel it all the time. The guilt, the shame, the regret, returning again and again as hard as you try to leave it behind, returning again and again, that feeling of addiction or struggle or being trapped Jesus doesn't look at you and say, go clean up first, and then I'll help you out. Jesus doesn't look at you and see you drowning and say, work better, do better, do more, try harder. Jesus says, take my yoke. If you came in here today with the burden of suffering, life has been hard. And maybe people don't really know how hard it really has been for you. You're working so hard to keep it together. You're working so hard. You worked so hard just to get to church this morning. You worked so hard just to show up to work and, and try to smile behind that mask. Because life has been hard. And you've known suffering. 
And maybe your suffering has been going on for a long time and it weighs you down and it feels like it's crushing you. Jesus sees your suffering. He knows your suffering. He's acquainted with sorrows. He's a man of sorrows. He went to the cross and suffered, suffered in our place and he looks at you and he sees you and he says, hey, I've come to bring you rest. Stop paddling. I'll lift you up. Or maybe you're here today, and the burden you're carrying is similar to the burden of the Hebrews. The religion that you were a part of, the religious system that you grew up in, was a list of rules, of do's and don'ts, of earning favor, of earning respect from God. You felt like God only loved the top performers, and you felt crushed under that system. Jesus sees you, and he knows that you can't do it without him. He came to be your Savior, my Savior, because we couldn't live perfectly on our own. And instead of that making us run from God and hate the church or hate religion, we should actually be pleased by the fact that God made a way. He says, I see you struggling. Here, take my yoke upon you. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. You'll find rest for your souls. If you're here today trying, laboring, working to smooth out your life, Jesus is saying, come. If you're burdened by things that are outside of your control, Jesus is saying, come. If you're tired of holding it all together and trying to maintain this image of perfection on the outside, Jesus is saying, come. And it's your burden that qualifies you to come. And the rest that he provides is a gift. Which leads to the final point. Jesus gives us rest. When we come to him, he's gentle and lowly. He shares our burdens. He gives us rest. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and you'll find rest for your souls. Twice, Jesus promises rest. And, and just so you know, rest in the Bible... When the Bible talks about rest, it's not talking about just taking a day off and relaxing. Okay, rest, if you think about it, rest is what our first parents, Adam and Eve, were born into. Adam and Eve were created on the sixth day. Their first full day on earth was a day of rest, the Sabbath, a day of rest and worship. And the world that they stepped into was a world of wholeness, a world with no death, a world with no pandemics. It was a place of rest. And when the Bible talks about heaven in the New Testament, it describes heaven as God's promised rest. And so this idea of rest is actually a huge concept in the Bible. It's connected to an old Hebrew word, a word you're probably familiar with, and it's the word shalom. Shalom means peace, rest, completeness. And shalom is one of those key words and images for salvation in the Bible. It's used to describe a person who is safe and whole and sound. And in the New Testament, shalom is the result of God reconciling all things to himself through the person and work of Jesus. Jesus came to bring rest. Rest in this life now and eternal rest in the life to come. Can I get an amen for that one? Jesus came to bring shalom. He promises rest. Rest in that struggle you might feel with God. Rest in that struggle you might feel with others. Rest in that struggle you might feel within. Peace from God. And in closing, I just want to say that this word shalom means so much to me personally. And the reason it does is because when I was 17 years old, I realized very quickly that although I had everything that life could offer, I had a great life, it appeared on the outside, and, and I had a great people around me and who loved me, still somehow on the inside, I didn't have peace. I still had a hole. And no matter how hard I tried, no matter what I did, 
No matter how many times I try to change the trajectory of my life, become a new person, live a new lifestyle, take on a new habit, take on a new hobby, that hole remained. I didn't have peace. And that's when I realized I needed a Savior, and that Savior was Jesus Christ. And when I finally bowed my knee to the Lord, not only was I forgiven of my sin, but I knew shalom. I knew rest, rest within and even on the, this, this broken world, fallen world, like as we deal with things like COVID and pandemics, and, and those times come where I feel that anxiety welling up and that fear welling up, guess where I get to go? I get to go back to the person of rest, Jesus Christ. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. His rest isn't just one-time rest. It is a forever rest. And he invites you, South Valley, to come to him this morning. The question is, will you come? Will you come and receive his rest? Just like those weary contestants on a loan. You got to pick up the phone. You got to make the call. Today is that day. No more carrying that burden anymore. No more hiding in the dark anymore. Jesus has invited you to come. I invite you to come. And if you have come, I want you to know, church, that Jesus wants to use you to invite others. The same grace that you received, he wants you to offer that to others. To be approachable and gentle with others. To share the burdens of others. To be a person of peace and rest. To be a person of shalom. Stop laboring, stop stressing, stop worrying, stop regretting. Jesus' arms are wide open to you. I encourage you to receive them today. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for your abundant grace. We thank you for your shalom, your peace that passes understanding. We thank you for the promise of rest when we're laboring, we're tired, we're weary. We can't do it on our own. I pray that if there are people in this room this morning who need you, who have never actually surrendered those things to you, that they would know your rest, that they would call upon your name right here, right now in this moment. And for those of us who have your rest, let us be people of rest and bring the joy of peace and salvation to the world around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, South Valley. God bless. Great to be with you this morning. Thank you so much, Ricky. Wasn't it great having Ricky with us here today, sharing his heart, sharing God's word? Uh, at this time, I'd like to call uh, our executive board chairman up to the stage, uh, Jim Vigil, and he's just going to give you some instructions on where to go from here. Uh, you guys have a blessed day, all right? Good morning, or is it afternoon? Almost. How about that sermon, right? Can we give him a hand? I got to tell you, the Holy Spirit already know, always knows just what I need, and I've been weary and I've been tired. So, amen. I'd like to invite the uh, pastoral search team and uh, our executive board up to the stage. Um, we are going to go into a, a business portion uh, of the service here. Um, so, there's a few things that uh, we need to discuss before we do that as uh, they make their way up here. Uh, you'll notice that there are ballot boxes at either of the four exits here. So on your way out, please drop your ballots off, okay? Um, we'll go ahead and uh, let's open up this business meeting uh, with a word of prayer. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for everything, Lord. Um, you, you never fail us, Father. We ask that you come here today, that you are here with us, that you be with us. You guide us, Father, and show us the joy and the enthusiasm that comes, not because we have to, Lord, but because we get to be about your business, Father. Bless us, Father. Guide us. Let us affirm your plan for South Valley here, Father. We believe that this man has been called by you, Father, and we just ask, Lord, that today uh, we make it known, Father, to you that we believe you and we trust you, Father. So we pray these things in your name. Bless us as we conduct your business, Father. And at the end of the day, Lord, let all that we do here have brought glory and honor to you. In your name, amen. Amen. So, I mean, first of all, thank you to the board, both of them. And 
I want you to understand and, and look and know that we stand here united. Uh, we believe that this is the man that God has called for us. It has been a long journey, but God has been in control the whole time. All right. So uh, we look forward to your uh, affirmation of God's plan for South Valley. Um, know that uh, once the vote is done, that you can expect to hear something uh, via social media or um, email by Wednesday. Okay. Um, I think that is about it. Okay. What's that? Yeah, we talked about that, folks. Ballot boxes again at, at either of the four exits there. Okay? Thank you. God bless you as you conduct God's business. And uh, amen. All right. Thank you.